If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. One man has a talk show on 77 WABC, and that man's name is... It's Dominic Carter. I am him. And with us now, Dominic Carter. Nice to be with you, Dominic. It gets better. You need to talk to Dominic Carter. It's about to go down. This is Dominic Carter, everybody. On Talk Radio 77 WABC. And good evening, good evening, good Sunday evening. Dominic Carter here with you. Talk Radio 77 WABC. A little bit of bad weather was not going to stop the big event. The Tunnel to Towers event happened today. Lots of people out. And I am so proud that for the second year in a row here at WABC, the Dominic Carter team Raise the most money, the moolah, some $5,180 thanks to you folks. Uh, thank you for what you did, and uh, it means the world to me. And, of course, you already know it goes to a worthy cause. A programming note, at 7 a.m., it's my great honor to join the owner-operator of WABC, Mr. John Katsimatidis. We'll be in for Sid Rosenberg. I'll be joining Mr. Katsimatidis 7 to 10 a.m., so in just a matter of, of what, uh, nine hours. In about nine hours, the uh, morning show, and uh, I'll be joining Mr. Katsimatidis, who'll be hosting. I'll be there with him. We hope you folks will join us. So, a Programming note as it relates to the midnight hour. Curtis Lee and I just talked about this, but Friday's indictment of New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez, the the feds came mighty close to getting a conviction the first time around. And Senator, I am telling you, because you know I was there. And you know that I had a unique experience that no other journalist had covering the trial. If I were you, I'd play it smart and take a deal. Because this time, Senator, you are going down. I tell folks all the time, if the feds come, your next question should be, what type of deal are you offering? And then take it. Because if you go to trial, you're going to be broke and the feds play for keeps. No joke. And so, again, Senator Menendez, this time you are going down at midnight. As, as I just said with Curtis Lewa, I had a very, very unique relationship with Menendez covering his first trial where I became the only reporter that he would talk to. And oftentimes we would have private conversations in the hallway while the jury was deliberating or at a break. And when the first trial ended in a mistrial, he came out to the National Press Corps, and this is what he had to say. To those in the press who did their job 
and did it with professionalism. And even to some of you who are actually kind. Where's Dominic? I don't see him. Dominic. I believe you showed others what a professional press is all about and why that freedom is so important to our society. And again, folks, the midnight hour, I will talk about what it was like covering Menendez's uh, first trial in which the salacious details of hookers and and uh, the Dominican Republic and flights and, and on private jets and all type of freaky things and it was it was it was wild. But I'm telling you, Senator, I won't be covering the trial this time. If I'm you, I take a deal. The feds are going to nail you to the wall. They almost had you the first time. So at midnight, I'm going to let you hear. I didn't know at the time that some of the jurors were watching my coverage on television. And when when the the major the major juror was was dismissed because she was going on vacation, she wanted to talk to me, and so we talked. Uh, and I'll let you hear a bit of what she had to say. That's coming up at midnight. But for right now, for right now, on this rainy rainy Sunday night, but sometimes the rain can be quite romantic. On this rainy night, let's start this way: the man's stage name is LL Cool J. LL Cool J. The latest round of gaffes for President Biden. Oh boy. With respect to the presidency of the United States of America, I just don't see how Mr. Biden can be the Democratic nominee. This is just the latest example. The President of the United States butchers the name of the legendary rapper and star, by the way, of NCIS Los Angeles, the television show. And if that wasn't bad enough, the President of the United States referred to the legendary rapper as, quote, boy, when speaking to the Congressional Black Caucus. The two of the great artists of our time representing the groundbreaking legacy of hip-hop in America, LLJ Cool J. Uh, by the way, that boy's got, that man's got biceps bigger than my thighs. I think he's spent... And MC Light, both of you, thank you. Because they both have the light off on the mic, you know, you're, uh, you're all here to listen to the new edition. Mike Bibbins, 40 years producing music that lifts our soul. Okay, so I can give the president on a pass on butchering his, his name. Mr. President, it's LL Cool J. I believe it means ladies love cool James, something like that. Matt Blaze can correct me. He knows everything, music and hip hop and so on. Is that right, Matt Blaze? Yes, that is correct. Ladies love cool, cool James. James. Yeah. And that's why he always licks his lips during the concerts. That's right. And, okay. And, it, and it, it was never really a secret that his real name is James Todd Smith. Okay. So LL Cool J stands for ladies love cool James. Okay. So, all right, I got it. 
So uh, just imagine this, folks. Just imagine this. Imagine President Trump before (laughs) the Congressional Black Caucus, their big function, right? And imagine if Mr. Trump called one of the most prominent African-American rappers ever, boy, boy, and then butchered his name. The two of the great artists of our time representing the groundbreaking legacy of hip-hop in America, LLJ Cool J. Uh, by the way, that boy's got, he got man's got biceps bigger than my thighs. I think he's been... And MC Light, both of you, thank you. Because they both have the light off on the mic, you know, you're, uh, you're all here to listen to the new edition. Mike Bivens, 40 years producing music that lifts our soul. At least he got Mike Bivens, new edition, correct. Give him credit for that. But if Trump did the same exact thing, I promise you it would lead every 11 o'clock newscast. President Trump calls prominent African-American boy. Boy. Interesting. And this poll may be an outliner, but Trump scores. And I've been telling you folks this, you guys, oh, Dominic, you you love Trump. You never say anything bad about Trump. You're not being fair. The poll may be an outlier, but Trump scores an eye-popping 10-point lead over Biden in a new poll. Eye-popping 10-point lead over Biden in a new poll. Washington Post, ABC News poll. Now, some people are saying don't believe the poll, but wait a minute. These are two credible, reputable news organizations. So because it shows Trump up 10, it just can't be right. You know, something's wrong. So the 77-year-old former president trounces Mr. Biden 52 to 42 in a hypothetical rematch of the 2020 contest, and it's up significantly from Trump's 49% to 43% lead during a uh, similar survey from the outlets in, in, uh, in May. And so senior Trump advisor Jason Miller Immediately put on Twitter, heads are exploding. He capitalized the word exploding at the Bezos, uh, uh, Amazon, Washington Post uh, poll. Trump now leads Biden nationally by 10 points. By 10 points. Let's go ahead and open up the phone lines. 800, I'm about to get to an explosive story in just a second. 800-848-WABC, 800 848 Nine two two two. This next story, I almost don't know what to say. It's being called educational homicide. Educational homicide. That's what it's being called. 23. 23. Listen to what I'm saying, folks. Baltimore, Maryland schools have zero students not one that is proficient in math per state test results. Bears repeating. I really want this to marinate and to sink in. 
23 Baltimore schools have zero students proficient in math per state test results. And Baltimore City's math scores, the lowest in the state, just 7% of third through eighth graders tested proficient in math, which means 93% could not do math at grade level. I want you to listen, folks, to this report on on Fox 45, Fox 45 in Baltimore, a reporter trying to get answers from the mayor and from top officials on these disgusting test results. Well, after our questions were originally dodged earlier this week, again today, Kai, we attempted to speak with the mayor in person. However, without notice, Mayor Scott skipping an event that he was scheduled to speak at and again dodging our questions. They go there to get babysit for eight hours and come home. Frustrated with the education her child's receiving in the Baltimore City school system, Nichelle Watkins, just one of many concerned parents, tired of suffering in silence. I can't afford no thousand dollar tutor from Sylvan, but that's what he needs. And our kids are not caught up, but we're passing them. We're passing them, but they can't read. Terrible. Horrible. But now state test scores bringing those concerns to light. The results of the Maryland Comprehensive Assessment Program revealing in at least 23 of Baltimore City schools, not a single student can do math at grade level, marking the city's math scores the lowest in the state. And as our students fall behind, not all city leaders are stepping up. Fox 45 sending questions to the mayor's office Thursday asking, do you believe a change in school leadership is necessary in Baltimore? If not, why not? And how do you defend these results? The mayor and his office ignoring those questions, prompting Fox 45 to request an in-person interview with the mayor at a press conference he was scheduled to attend. Again, no response, but when we arrived. I'd also like to thank Mayor Scott, who wanted to be with us today, but was called away on urgent business. And so in other words, folks, all of a sudden the mayor couldn't make that event. He knew the camera was going to be there. He did not want to talk to Fox 45 in Baltimore. Thus, the mayor did not make it. Maybe something legitimately came up, but uh, it's a big question mark. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. Again, uh, at 7 a.m. this morning, uh, John Casamitidis will be hosting the morning show in for Sid Rosenberg. I will be with Mr. Katz and in a few minutes, will he? Mr. Katz recently appeared on the Fox Business Channel. Mr. Katz will let you hear what he had to say on the United Auto Workers strike, as well as oil prices going way up. I'm with you until 1 a.m. this morning, as I am now every Sunday. And let's start with your telephone calls. Let's begin with Gary. On Staten Island, good morning, Gary. You're on Talk Radio 77 WABC. I think it's irrelevant that Biden would mangle the name of some um, uh, rapper. I I think that's irrelevant. I mean, this is silly. It's silly. So why why is it silly, Gary? It's simply not important. It's not worthy of discussion. Really? Really? 
Well, well that's my opinion. And okay, I'm entitled okay. to it. And you're entitled to your opinion. But, Gary, th- this is one of the most prominent rappers ever. The president of the United States. There's a States. war going on in Ukraine. Let's talk about that. Okay, Gary, uh, before you cut me off, the the president was before the Congressional Black Caucus when he so mangled. When he man- well, you say so Who what? Cares? That, well, then this maybe. Okay, you don't care. But I guarantee you somebody else is going to call that's going to argue well, just I the opposite. Care, you know, this is, I don't have to waste my time with this. Okay, so Gary, I learned something uh, good on Friday, and I'm going to practice it right now, okay? Uh, thank you for your contribution. Let's move on to the next call. Did I get that right, Matt Blaze? Did I get it right? I, th- I think that's what it was. No, it was something like. Thank you much for your contribution. Thank you much for your. Whenever someone calls with an absolutely silly comment like that, thank you for your contribution. Next, or if you say something offensive, thank you for your contribution. Next, that's the new thing I'm going to do. So, Gary, thank you for your contribution. Let's go to Steve in Manhattan. Good evening, Steve. You're on Talk Radio 77 WABC. All right, Dominic, and uh, it's no surprise to me that Trump is starting to get a big lead in the polls over Joseph Biden because immigration is the biggest issue in America today. People are fed up with their neighborhoods being invaded, but not only illegal immigration, but legal immigration, too. People losing their jobs, the people coming here. We're the most generous country when it comes to immigration but we can't sustain millions of people legal and illegally coming in here. And I think it's time. I wonder where you come across in this. There was a 65 Immigration Act. There was a 1990 Immigration Act. It seems to be buried. No one talks about those things. Both increase the immigration from the third world. And now it's a possibility that unless it's addressed, The Democratic Party, which has been built by the Immigration Acts into a left-wing party, you won't be able to stop this, and and it's going to get totally out of control. So um, unless those two Immigration Acts are repealed and we expel people in the country legally, not not one of the lines of not my neighborhood, put them in someone else's neighborhood, I don't think that's the American way. Well, Steve, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I, I I agree with you as far as certainly on the uh, illegal uh, immigration, what's what's happening. I thank you for the call. Well said, Steve. Thank you so much for joining us uh, this evening. Uh, when a person is right, they they are they are right. Let's go to Joe in Jericho. Good evening, Joe. You're on Talk Radio 77 WABC. The bottom line, Dominic, is $13 billion Adams is proposing for the illegal invaders, and not one cent is going towards opening, building and opening a retirement center, city run for American veterans in all New York City. That is a national and global disgrace. 66% of the homeless men and women in America are American veterans, 13,000 suicides one every hour. With the grace of Christ, we have to bring an end to this. And all the money is going to people who are invented, and I saw them getting vouchers, 13 of them in the Salvation Army store in Staten Island. And Salvation Army is not issuing vouchers to veterans, but they are to illegal invaders. This is all backwards in a bad way. It has to stop. Some of these guys are strapping young men who are sleepers waiting for 9-11 Part 2. And that's the truth. 
Well, Joe, I, I agree with 98% of what you said. Uh, I hear you. I thank you for the call. I hear you on what your prediction with as it relates to terrorism. But certainly, Joe is correct uh, about the argument with veterans and what's being done for migrants. It's utterly disgusting. I don't know any other way to put it. It's utterly disgusting. And we talk about it all the time, and it just seems that... Uh, it just seems that it's the mayor of New York City uh, and, and, and also the president of the United States uh, that's pushing this for the most part. It seems that most elected officials have common sense on this issue and, uh, and they're, not, they're not touching this issue with a 10-foot pole. Let's go to Pete. Pete on Staten Island. Good evening, Pete. You're on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Hey, Dominic. Yeah, I just wanted to throw my two cents in on. I don't like that word, used boy. When I grew up in Staten Island, I hung out with a lot of guys from Mountain Loretta. I played ball with them, basketball. I wasn't tall, so I wasn't really that good. But I played. I loved the game. And in the game, the word I is not what it is. It's a team. And, uh, you know, when I, I started hearing that word about two nights ago when I was listening to you, and I think it's very insulting. I think it's just worth with the N word too. Nobody should ever be called that. And when I hear guys calling each other that, whatever they want to do, that's fine. But I don't like the word, and I don't like the word "boy" when it refers to people of uh, African American or anything. It's totally wrong, and I I know it's an insult because I grew up, I grew up in it. I grew up in a neighborhood that was. Uh, you know, it's funny kind of um, ignorant people, because when you get into race, that's where the problems start, when you're ignorant. You should know all races, all religions, and respect them. And that's the most important thing. Well, Pete, uh, thank you for your comment. Uh, when when African-Americans use the N-word, uh, it's wrong. When whites use the N-word, it's wrong. And you are correct on the uh, the term of uh, boy. Thank you for the call, Pete. Uh, you know, and it's not the first time that Mr. Biden has uh, said that. But I, in fairness to him, in fairness to him, I think he's from a different generation. Because if you listen carefully, he tried to correct himself. And not tried. He did correct himself real fast. He said, that boy's uh, bicep, that man's biceps are bigger than my thighs and, and, you know, I, I have been in the company of LL Cool J several times privately. And so uh, what what the president said about about his uh, his biceps, it, it does happen to be true. And again, he's not just a rapper. He's he was the leading actor on uh, NC. I think it's still on the air NC NCIS Los Angeles. And, um, you know, he he carried the ratings for the show on Sunday evenings for for a number of years. So he's one that's that's transformed himself from just rap moving on into mainstream America in terms of acting and so on. Rocco in Saratoga. Good evening, Rocco. What's on your mind? Good evening, Dominic. It is unbelievable. Baltimore, not one single kid could pass the math proficiency. Not one. How is that even possible? That's impossible. My son knew math in sixth grade that college students couldn't solve. 
But that was natural. I never taught it to him. He just knew it. He just had a natural propensity to solve math problems. Now, not one kid in Baltimore can solve a math problem? That's unbelievable. Some of them would have a natural ability, you would think, to solve math problems like my son. It, it, I, I just find that unreal. It, it's like you couldn't make it up if you tried. I agree with you, Rocco. I don't know. You know, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a product of um, the public school system myself here in New York City. And, Rocco, I, I, I almost don't know what to say about what's going on in Baltimore because uh, all children can learn. All children can learn. But something, Rocco, something is not right here. In terms of, I, I, I don't know, you know, it's a, it's what predominantly an all African-American uh, school district, predominantly for the most part, percentage wise. And, you know, how do you explain it, Rocco? I, it's unexplainable. It's like, like I said, my son had a natural propensity. I never taught him that, fortunately, because when it came to physics and whatever, he just knew he had a gift that he could look at a math problem and within one second tell you what the answer was. How did you do that? I used to say, Nick. He said, Dad, it's easy. Can't you just... I said, I can't see it. I can't... Don't ever ask me to help you with math homework because I can't figure it out. (laughs) He never did. He never once ever came to me and said, hey, Dad, can you help me with this? He just knew it. Now, there's not another kid in all of Baltimore that is like that that can just pick it up on their own or with a little help become proficient. That's like they're teaching them in reverse. Like, hey, don't look at this. This is the wrong way to look at it. Let's teach you how not to solve math problems. You know, you, you, you make a good point there, Rocco. It's, it's like, and thank you for the call. It's like the kids are learning some children are learning in in reverse. I, I don't have an explanation. I really don't, folks. Charlie, Hell's Kitchen. Good evening, Charlie. You're on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Thank you for taking my call, and I do have an explanation. First, let me say I'm glad the previous caller, Rocco, has a very bright son, has a very intelligent son. That's good for him, and it's good for his boy, his son, I mean. But what I, what I want to say is there's an explanation. It's very obvious. It's very clear. And you know what it is, too, Dominic. And that is the teachers' unions have such a stranglehold of control over that. And the teachers' unions are concerned with the employment of adults, their membership. And the kids are not their concern. And these poor parents, you, you heard the one woman say she needs $1,000 for a tutor, which she can't afford and she doesn't have, which, which she actually needs is to have her children go to school with teachers who care about them, who actually care about the job and have pride in the job. But they don't have that, and they they have a union, and they don't have school choice, which is something that we as Republicans, because think about, have been proposing for the longest time, because think about what these kids' lot in life is going to be like. They're just passed on from one grade to another, social promotion. They graduate at the they're handed diplomas, which many of them can't even read. They can't do math. How are they going to get good, high-paying jobs? How are they going to be 
come uh, contributing members of site. What they're doing is they're not just failing them. These teachers are slamming the doors on their children's futures, and and the the communities themselves have to get mad about it. I know you've talked about it in the past. You're 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 mad about it, but I, I don't know why their parents aren't demanding that the, 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 if their schools won't work for their kids, then they should at least have the tax dollars so they can send their kids to private school, parochial school, whatever. So they can at least get their kids uh, out of their failing school systems and get them a proper education. And Rocco was saying he couldn't imagine, the previous call, Rocco said he couldn't imagine them not learning. And my response is I can very easily imagine these zero, not one kid in the school system learning. I can very easily imagine it because Again, it's being controlled by the teachers. You, you can't fire these people. I mean, a teacher almost has to kill a kid before you can fire them or beat a kid or something. I mean, you can't fire teachers for not doing their job when the teachers okay. is controlled. Hey, Charlie, thank, thank you for the comment. We have some updating news coming. Breaking news, WABC. Well, folks, if you're a fan of uh, the uh, television shows and so on, where you've been watching reruns, this will be good news for you. We've just received word that the striking writers, the writers have reached a tentative deal with the film and TV studios. The Writers Guild of America has reached a tentative deal Sunday with film and TV studios that ends a nearly five-month strike and gets Hollywood rolling again. Union officials emailed uh, uh, members informing them of a new three-year agreement that was tentatively reached, according to Variety and other outlets. So there's still the United Auto Workers strike going on, but the strike with the Writers Guild of America is over, and so that means that in all likelihood, the late-night TV shows, the reruns will stop, and they will be coming back soon. And, of course, you want to stay with WABC as we'll have the very latest on this. It is time for a break. When we come back, we will have calls from uh, Elena in New Jersey, from Judy in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Comac, Manhattan, Yonkers, and the Bronx. love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Everybody. Everybody. On Talk Radio 77 WABC. And we are back. The writer's strike is over. A deal has been reached. Former President Trump has an eye-popping 10-point lead over the current incumbent, President Biden. 10-point uh, lead in a, uh, a poll from the Washington Post, ABC News. 
another gaffe by uh, President uh, Biden in which he referred to legendary uh, entertainer, rapper, actor, LL Cool J. He mispronounced his name and then referred to him as boy and then quickly corrected it and said this man. And uh, all, coming up at midnight, we'll talk about the Menendez uh, indictment. But also we have on the table that the recent test results that have come out of Baltimore, Maryland, 23 schools, 23 in Baltimore have zero, not one student proficient in math per state test results. And I just listened to our last caller, and he blames the teachers union. They, they may, the teachers union may have some blame, some, but it, it's not fair to just blame teachers. We have to look at and we have to be honest the product, meaning the student, that's coming to the teacher. We have to look at, if we're going to be honest about this, the type of home that the children are coming from. For example, one issue for the little older kids in, uh, in New York City, according to the mayor and others, is now with legal marijuana and God knows what's happening in stores that are selling illegal marijuana. Kids are coming to high school high. So they don't have a chance in hell. They're coming and they think that they're getting over now until they get a little older and they reach some dead end, dead ends in life. But it's not fair to just say the teacher, the teacher. We don't know if these kids have had a meal before coming to school. We don't know what these kids have gone through. And the teachers can't just wave a magic wand and say, poof, you're now proficient in math. Folks, it doesn't work that way. And if we're being real, at some point, at some point, we're going to have to deal with community issues of what's going on in certain communities. Nobody wants to talk about that. Whites don't want to talk about it because they don't want to be called racist. Blacks don't want to be don't want to talk about it because they don't want to be told or feel that they're inferior. But the handwriting is on the wall. We we can deny this all we want to. This is why I say on a topic like this, I'm almost speechless in terms of what do you say about something like this? Let's go to Elena. In New Jersey, good evening, Elena. You're on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Good evening, Dominic. Uh, Dominic, my thoughts. You know, Curtis coined a wonderful word uh, on his show just previously. Our politicians are feeding us bovine organics. They're telling us that everything is honky-dory, everything is cool, just pay your taxes, the teachers' unions will get more raises, uh, marijuana is legal, that's okay. The high mothers and the drug-infested parents, um, that, that's okay. They, they don't need to take care of their children. And the schools are saying, well, let's socially promote these children. We can't hold them back. 
can't make demands on them. The parents don't care. If a mother wants her child to read, she can have a book in the house. She can read with the child. She doesn't have to depend on everybody else. But if she's never sober, how can she read with her child? How can she feed her child? How? And now with these politicians approved marijuana shops, and they are approved by the politicians because if if the politicians didn't want them there, the cops can get rid of them. But they're approved. So the parents are high, the children are high, the teachers can't cure this in the school. All they want is a day's pay for their job. Dominic, where are we going? Where are we going? Well, I, I thank you, Elena, for for telling the truth. You you just said what I want to say. Thank you. But Dominic. but but I but I don't feel like dealing with any pushback. Oh Dominic, how can you say that? You know, Dominic, oh, 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 you're saying this about your own people. I don't feel like dealing with that tonight, Elena. And so that's why I'm listening uh, more intently and more directly to what you folks are saying. So you asked me a question, and I strongly don't believe in answering a question with a question. But please pardon me this one time. I'm more interested in what you believe is the solution to this. What I believe is the solution to this? Put our politicians through the washer and dryer system. Let's clean the politicians. Let's dry them out. Let's give them some common sense and let them look at their constituents, not their politics. Hmm. Maybe maybe they'll have a, a straight sense of mind. I, I, Elena, I wish it were that simple. I thank you for the call. Yeah. I, I thank you for... For putting it in perspective in terms of uh, what's going on. Thank you for the call, Elena, in terms of uh, what's happening. And if if you want to kid yourself to believe this is only occurring in uh, Baltimore, newsflash, it, it is not. It is not. Audrey in Brooklyn, good evening. What's on your mind? Evening. Thanks for taking my call, Dominic. I totally agree with what, what you're saying as far as at what happens with the teachers and what happens with the students and what happens at home. Because if you don't, any any parent that does not have time, I'm not saying, you know, they should because, you know, I'm not a parent. But when during my, my years of, of youthhood, I had to go to the library. I had to read and I had to prove that I could do my work as far as my, 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 my math, my, my anything. But right now the parents are too busy hanging out with the kids, and I see that. And, I you know, it bothered me because during this weekend, I ran into at least 20 youth that could not sign their name. They started printing. I'm like, you know, you have to script your name. Now, I don't know what you're talking about. Really? And they were serious. So it's, it starts everywhere. And I have some cousins in Georgia that might, um, they have some children there in elementary school. They can't count money. So it's all over the state. And, and I think everyone should get involved with the PTA. That's what I believe. Well, I hear you, Audrey, but but I've been listening to the PTA argument for about 40 years, that parents should be involved, that teachers can't just sit at the PTA meetings by themselves. No, and, I agree. And, I agree. I agree. So how do you get the parents out there? But I tell you what, any student that comes to high school high on, on marijuana, I would send them behind back home, period. 
You know how they have the breathalyzers? If you can't come to school straight, you can smoke all you want if you have to because your brain cells aren't developed yet. But if you want to smoke, don't come to school because you're wasting the teacher's time and the student's time that wants to learn. Agreed. I mean, you know, that's just ridiculous. They have they need to put a little bit more control on that. Agreed. But, thank, thank you for the call, Audrey. But even with that, right, let's, let's think about this for a second. Something is wrong when a preteen or a teenager feels that they have permission or whether they don't have permission or not, but they feel that they can just go ahead and smoke and get high before school, before school. And you would think that mommy or daddy, someone would say, little Johnny, little Mary, uh, those brain cells that you're going to kill them and you're not going to be able to learn And about four years from now, you'll hate your life because you won't have any future at all. And you'll sit down and you'll blame everybody and their mother except for yourself. But, you know, we, we, we don't, we don't have that these days. And in Baltimore, I mean, I almost didn't do the topic this evening because of the race component that Baltimore is predominantly a city of color. And I said to myself, what, what can I possibly say without demonizing, without demonizing uh, some elements of the community? What, what can I, because some people, what, 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 Hey Matt blaze. What, what I know I got to take a break. What's the movie? Uh, you, you, uh, you can't handle the truth. What that was a few good men, a few good men. Right, 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 and then ultimately he explodes and 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 then tells them the whole thing. He ordered the cold red. It cracked. It right. It, yeah, Jack Nicholson. Right, Jack Nicholson. So, I almost feel like saying right now, you can't handle the truth because I can give it to you. I can give it to you real, but you can't handle it. You can't handle it. I have friends right now that I no longer talk to because they can't handle the truth about what's going on in urban communities and complete denial with blindfolders on. All they want to hear is black lives matter. Well, how is that going to make your life better? We've got to take a break. When we come back, we're going to the Bronx, Yonkers, Manhattan, Comac, Brooklyn, and another call from the Bronx. WABC. Hi, it's Lou Dobbs for Priority Gold, America's precious metals dealer. These are volatile times with high inflation, soaring debt, wars on multiple continents, and rising financial stress. Central banks are buying gold to diversify their reserves, so are many Americans. Call Priority Gold and find out how precious metals can help you diversify your portfolio. They're highly rated and happy to help. Call 1-866-303-6357 or get a free gold guide at PriorityGoldGuide.com. That's Priority PriorityGoldGuide.com. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. Yeah. 
Now, here's Dominic Carter on Talk Radio 77 WABC. And we are back. It seems like a lot of you folks want to talk about what's happening in Baltimore. 23 Baltimore schools have zero, not one student proficient in math per state test results. In a moment, I'm going to go to Teddy and Yonkers because this is right up his his lane in terms of Teddy was a math teacher. Teddy's retired now. But I want you to listen, folks. I'm going to be on the morning show this morning. Uh, John Katsimatidis, our owner-operator, is hosting, and I'll be joining him from 7 a.m. to uh, 10 a.m. So in about uh, seven hours and 10 minutes from now. But Mr. Katsimatidis appeared just recently on the Fox Business Channel. So as it relates to strikes, the writer's strike is over as of this hour. It's over. So the TV shows that were in reruns, things will go back to normal. But Mr. Katsimatidis, again, on the Fox Business Channel, also gave his take on the other strike, the one that involves the United Auto Workers. Do the workers have a point? They say their wages have just not kept up with inflation. They made sacrifices during COVID, and now it's their time to earn more. What say you? I think it's uh, more serious than uh, is being said right now, because the fact is that they want to, uh, the government is trying to force uh, the uh, Ford and General Motors and everybody else to convert to electric vehicles. And electric vehicles mm-hmm. don't work. And the fact is that if, if the government does force General Motors into electric vehicles, uh, the fact is you don't need that many workers. So job security. Well, job security is in the crapper, and these companies cannot agree to job security because of the fact that uh, that they're going to need a lot less workers with electric vehicles. So, which way do the uh, uh, the pebbles fall? Um, certainly, they need a raise because uh, ever since uh, uh, there was a war on fossil fuels, besides electric vehicles. The price of gasoline has gone up. The price of food has gone up dramatically. And the cost of living has gone up dramatically. Mr. Katsimatidis on the Fox Business Channel. Next hour, we'll hear his take on the oil price situation, which continues to go up. We see all of your calls, all of them. And the great news is that I'm here with you until 1 a.m., so we have plenty of time to uh, chat with each other, meaning to get as many calls in as possible. Let's go to Teddy and Yonkers. So, Teddy, talk to me. You know, you've been telling me for a long time you teach math or you used to. How could something like this happen where not one student is proficient in 23 schools in Baltimore when it comes to math? First of all, good evening, Dominic. It's Yom Kippur. I'm fasting until tomorrow night, 7.30. But it's a good test for me to just show my perseverance. I can can connect that to teaching and being a student of mathematics. Teaching math is difficult. Learning math is difficult. But you have to start somewhere where there is some type of success by the student. I propose, and I've written recently to the New York City Department of Math Education, the uh, 
the supervisor in charge of instruction in mathematics for the New York City schools, I suggest to the Baltimore district that they introduce to the kids when they're in the primary and elementary school grades the game of Sudoku. Where it requires, and there are different levels of the Sudoku. I wouldn't give an advanced uh, six by six puzzle, uh, nine, excuse me, nine by nine puzzle to the kids in uh, elementary school, but smaller puzzles where they can learn the concepts of the four basic operations and what they have to do. But, of course, it involves thinking. Dominic, to do math, you have to learn how to think. And you've got to master that. But it will progress as you achieve some success. I know that when I first was in the fourth grade and I got an 85 on a math test, I was happy. I took it to bed with me. That's how excited I was. I remember that. And that instills some self-confidence. Dominic, self-confidence is everything in life. You're a very good person on the radio. You have proven it to yourself. You have self Confidence, Dominic, self-confidence is the meaning that you can talk to people. You can relate to people. You're not afraid to go up to the opposite sex and have a conversation and then introduce yourself. And then maybe if you like someone, you ask them out. That's all about self-confidence. Hey, Teddy, 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 wait, Teddy, you you got a point there. I I have to be straight up and honest. So coming out of the public school system, and I have no problem stating this, Okay. I, th- I thought I was the dumbest kid to ever graduate from the New York City public school system, right? I so have, so you have. mentioned the topic of self-confidence, right? Sure. So, so, then, so then I get up to SUNY Cortland, the State University of New York, and also grad school, right, at Syracuse University. And Syracuse makes some of the best journalists in the country, the best of the best of the best, right? Yes. And so when I got to grad school, it was almost like being – on a on a on a tricycle where I, I had to you know learn to to walk on it and then learn to slowly go a little faster and then when I got to grad school what I realized was I I sat there in the classroom and I said I'm just as smart as these other kids are or even smarter and so you're right about the self confidence so now let's bring it back please tell me is this a parent issue is it because I firmly believe that all kids can learn. But if you're hungry, you can't learn. If you're from a completely dysfunctional family, it's even harder to learn. What is the problem? It's, that is a major part of the problem. You cannot tell me that if you have parent, a single parent family versus a dual parent family, that there's a, the same conditions in the household, you can't tell me that. And also, even with a two-parent family, if there's arguing, if there's fighting, if there's worries about finances, and like you said, you go to sleep with a belly belly that's hungry, 
and you get up in the morning and you leave school, leave the house and you go to school and you expect to learn normally, it's just not going to happen. That's why we have breakfast programs, Dominic, in New York City. And I think I would assume they have it in Baltimore, too, in the urban areas, because, Dominic, things are not like the same as back in the 60s when I went to Mount Vernon High School in the Mount Vernon schools. We didn't have that breakfast programs, okay? Things are different. We're dealing in the 2020s area now. And, uh, Dominic, there's a lot of problems out there that affect a child's learning ability, okay? If they're hungry, if there's fighting in the family, if there's crime in the family with siblings, and uh, Dominic, we're living in tough times where back in 1965, when I got my first job in the 10th grade after school, the dollar 25 was the minimum wage, dollar 25 an hour. Dominic, you can't survive in New York City on $20 an hour at, at a 40 hour work week trying to live in New York City and pay rent and food and gasoline if you have a car. Dominic, I don't have the complete answer economically what's going on. And I'm not going to blame just Joe Biden. I will not do that. I will not do that. And the auto workers, it's important to have unions, Dominic. And Dominic, unions are coming back into this country. Unions are coming back into this country and defined benefit plans. I'm lucky I have my pension. That's the greatest thing since sliced bread. And defined benefit plans are slowly, I didn't say rapidly, are slowly going to be coming back. And uh, I applaud the union leadership of the UAW to try to fight for that. Okay. Dominic, as always, I appreciate you giving me the darn time. Other people don't do that on your station. But I'm not going to mention names, but you do. That's why I love talking to you, and you have character. And, Dominic, <laughs> that, I'm going Thank to say you. goodbye. Thank you. Thank you, Teddy. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Let's go to Bob in the Bronx. Good morning, Bob. Oh, no, we don't have time for Bob. Okay. So, Bob, I want you to hold on. I want you to hold on. I see all you folks, Michael, Eric, Dave, Norman, Judy, Kurtz, Bob. I want you to hold on. We've got to take a break. I was so wrapped up in what Teddy was just saying, I was not looking at the clock. When we come back, I'm going to brief you from my unique perspective on the Menendez indictment, and then we're going right back to your telephone calls right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. WABC. One man has a talk show on 77 WABC, and that man's name is... It's Dominic Carter. I am him. And with us now, Dominic Carter. Nice to be with you, Dominic. It gets better. You need to talk to Dominic Carter. It's about to go down. This is Dominic Carter, everybody. On Talk Radio 77 WABC. And good morning, good morning, good Monday morning. Dominic Carter here with you, Talk Radio 77 WABC. So in a few minutes, I'm going to give you a very insider's uh, uh, take on Senator Bob Menendez indicted on Friday. Again, we'll talk about that. The young lady that um, 
is is uh, involved with Dove, the uh, campaign uh, with them, the uh, Black Lives Matter uh, activist, Ziana Bryant. I, I don't get this, folks. People have donated $10,000 for her security amid this Dove uh, boycott after she essentially ruined another stu- student's uh, life. But a number of you want to talk about uh, education. Some of you want to talk about President Biden. And so I want to stay with the phone calls uh, for just a minute, and then we will switch into the Menendez uh, indictment, and I'll give you a unique uh, perspective. I want to go right back to the telephone calls. And keep in mind, folks, seven hours from now, the owner-operator of WABC, John Katsimatidis, will be here hosting the morning show for Sid Rosenberg. I will be here with Mr. Katsimatidis. So you're with me now, and hopefully we will see you folks from 7 a.m. until 10 a.m. later on this morning. Let's go right back to the uh, telephone calls. Let's go to Tony Clifton, New Jersey. Good morning, Tony. What's on your mind? Hi, Dominic. You know, growing up, I always loved school. And I have to say, as a student, I did my best with, I grew up in a single family home and I, so my mom didn't have a lot of time to, you know, to sort of enforce sort of as much education as she did just to general safety and providing, you know, thinking of it that way. So my best stimulus for learning all depended on the teacher. And if I had a great teacher, I did very well no matter what the subject. So I have to say that teachers may not be everything, but I think a good teacher assumes a lot of the responsibility. Parents do have to back it up, of course. So that was my thought on the whole thing. Okay, but Tony, I hear you, Tony, but in these 23 Baltimore schools where not one student is proficient in math, I have to assume that they have many good teachers in this in these twenty three schools. Yes, no. What do you think? Um, it seems to me that I, looking back in on education and seeing a lot of breakthroughs, a lot of teachers can do breakthroughs, and it takes a breakthrough teacher to get through. And I just don't think I know my background wasn't the same. But I do think a teacher who has good skills and who loves the students can do a breakthrough. That's just my thought, Dominic. Okay, fair enough, Tony. And and thank you for that. Let's go from Clifton, New Jersey, to the Bronx. I mentioned Bob earlier. So, Bob, what's on your mind? You're on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Yes, I believe that it has a lot to do with expectations from the home. You have the Asian students that score very high. And the parents, um, many of them can't speak English and are poor, but the children are motivated. Their expectation is to bring in good marks, and they study hard, and they score well. I'm surprised there must be some Asian students in Baltimore. (laughs) And also, I think the teachers' union is at fault. I I think that um, they have to be straightened out. I I hear you, Bob, but I I, I really feel that I really do feel that by completely blaming the teachers union that we're scapegoating them. I I get it. I get it in New York to talk about what it used to be that the UFT contract. Thank you for the call, Bob. 
that the contract was 250 pages long and all, all of these uh, rules that that benefit the uh, teachers and so on. I, I get it, but, you know, they, they, don't, they don't have on wizard caps that they can just wave a magic wand and take a kid and make that kid uh, proficient in math or in any other subject. Judy Manhattan. Good morning, Judy. You're on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Thank you, Dominic. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I wanted to say is they changed the curriculum. They have a curriculum called Common Core. And the math, You, if your children bring the math home for you to help them with, you can't because it's not taught in the same way that we were taught. Uh, not, these kids are not getting a classical education. And I read this book called Dumbing Us Down back in 1999 by um, the author was John Gatto. And it, that's what opened up my eyes to what was going on in the public school system. These kids have this common core math when they go to take the college interest exam, they can't pass it because there's no common core math on the college interest exam. The college interest exam is the math that we learned. So that was a problem when I found that out. And, and it's not just math, it's English. They strip, uh, kids don't do cursive writing anymore. They so, don't know so Judy, how to structure things. Judy, Judy, I don't, I don't mean to put you on the hot seat, but, but I'm going to do so. Why, why does it seem, Judy, in communities of color, the numbers go drastically down? Why does it seem that way? Okay, because the parents are not. First of all, the parents are not aware as in like other communities, they're more aware of what's going on. And then just like that parent called and she says she can't afford to get her, her child the extra tutoring. I had to get my children tutoring. And, and my last child, I pulled her out of public school altogether and put her in a private school. So the Asians, the other group, they give their children the extra um the extra tutoring whatever they need. I heard I was in class with a Asian gentleman and he said they children go to school on Saturdays. They have something where they you know, they supplement their education. And I feel what we have to do is give politics out of education and allow the teachers to teach the way they want to teach. Every teacher has different skills. The teachers are not allowed to use. They, they, the teachers have like a curriculum that they have to stick to. And if they go off, they'll get in trouble. Right. I, I, um, I, I, I hear you, Judy, and you, you laid it out there. And, you know, I'm just, like I said, I, uh, 
I, I thank you for the call, Judy. Uh, You're welcome. I, I'm just I, I'm just at a loss of words because um, folks, I I honestly feel that everybody within the sound of my voice knows how to fix this problem, but it it requires putting all this political correctness aside. It requires to lock up all these poverty pimps that are elected officials and they're nothing more than poverty pimps stealing money for kids from underprivileged backgrounds. Uh, It requires getting rid of the bad teachers. I knew two points where I knew we were in trouble with our education system. I've been to a number of schools, a number of UFT functions, and I've been to events where, and I'm not, I don't mean to demonize teachers. I'm just putting it out there. I've been to events where the teachers were dressed like they were going to a nightclub that night. Provocatively, where uh, if they bent over <laughs> and, you know, and, and they're in front of the classroom with micro mini skirts on and looking like they're going to the nightclub. And when I really knew we were in trouble was when on assignment, like I've said before, I was in Osaka, Japan. And it was a Saturday morning, and we visited a school. And I have never seen so many disciplined kids in a classroom, sitting there, wanting to learn, and it was Saturday morning. Again, this was Osaka, Japan. And this was maybe 15 years ago. And that's when I knew that we as Americans would not be able to compete on a world stage the way things were done in the past. Let's go to Ashley in Valley Stream. Good morning, Ashley. What's on your mind? I want to explain to him explain, how I wait, got my... Wait, wait, Ashley, you're talking to him right now. Go ahead. I'm talking to who? To the host of the show. You got three more seconds before I move on. Yeah. Um, what happened is my son failed math. Okay. At Midwood High School. Okay. I told him, why are you embarrassing me? Okay. He said, how? I said, okay. Every day after school, we'll sit on the table and do the math. Okay. Some of the math I did not understand. You know what I did? Tell me, please. I read the math book. Okay. And guess what? In about two months, he was scoring 95 on every test. He graduated on his high school diploma with a 95 average in math. Well, that's wonderful to hear. And so, so so what's the answer? What's the answer? Yes. The parents. Now, we cannot always blame the parents because I had the time and I had the initiative. Okay, but but, 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 wait, but wait, Ashley, but you know there are some that would say, well, if you don't have the time and you don't have the initiative, then you shouldn't be having children. What? We don't plan to have kids. Kids come because we're having fun. <laughs> right. Okay. Once the kids come, you have to stop everything 
and devote your time to your kids. And listen to me. That's not the only kid I got to a 95. I had a girlfriend. I brought her kid from failing to a straight A by sitting down with the kid every day. Now, the first thing is you have to explain to the kid that they have to pay full attention to the teacher. And when you come home, when they come home, you said, what the teacher says. After a while, the kids get to learn that they have to pay attention to the teacher, then come to explain it to their parents. Okay. All right. Well, Ashley, uh-huh. you, you thank you. You've, you've done it with two there. And so we need to uh, clone you and uh, put you in a lot of, uh, thank you for the call, put you in a lot of uh, households. In a minute, I'm going to move on to our topics this hour. But I see here uh, Lars in Los Angeles, a, a number of calls. Let, let me go to Lars. Good morning, Lars. You're on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Yeah, hi, Dominic. I started my um, law enforcement career as a school resource officer in the 80s. And I'm going to tell you, and, and this normally gets a big eye roll, but the number one, the way things went downhill was hip hop music when hip-hop music started to be popular the kids were more aggressive they were rude and they had no concern about repercussions you two callers ago you had a woman who mentioned you need to take politics out absolutely here in california governor newsom signed a bill you can no longer suspend a kid why because it was affecting black kids disproportionately so if you're a kid you can give the teacher the finger tell him to kiss your butt and you cannot be suspended as far as kids being hungry nonsense these kids are showing up to school with the best nike sneakers iphones wardrobe it's all about parenting. You have too many kids who are products of single mothers. The single mothers don't care. They weren't educated. They're out there partying. Oh, and also marijuana. Marijuana did not have to become legalized for these kids to smoke. When I was working as a school resource officer in the 80s, they were smoking weed back then. Marijuana has been a big problem with the education of black kids. When I was an officer, I spent so much time just dealing with unruly kids in the classroom. The teachers spend the majority of their time dealing with disciplinary uh, situations. So the bottom line, in conclusion, is the apathy of these black single mothers. That's what the problem and hip hop music. Uh, Curtis Lee would call it uh, ear crack. He hey, is so. Hey, but Lars, I, I would agree with you, but I, I don't, I don't think it's fair for us only to focus on uh, the single mothers. 
because when you say single mothers, there's a man out there. I'm not going to say a father, but there's a man out there that was, you know, had fun with her and now he's bounced and he shouldn't just get a free ride. And we just throw it all on the mother. You're correct. I mean, absolutely correct. But the, the reality of it is men are not interested in being fathers. Show me a 24-year-old man who's walking around saying, I can't wait to have kids. No, sex is fun. Sex feels good. That's all they care about. And if a woman gets pregnant, he's gone. And it's, the woman's stuck with the kid. She chose to have the kid knowing that there's no man in her life. So I'm, I'm going to disagree with you and put it on the women because they freedom of choice, they made these choices. And they have unleashed these kids on society. I'm sorry, and I've seen it. I've seen it firsthand. Okay, but Lars, you, my I, personal experience. Well, no, I hear you. I hear you. But I know you know. I know you know that when you, I'm going to introduce the word dysfunction. And when you see all the other females around you and they're they're single mothers, you start believing that's normal. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'll tell you something else. Uh, here in California, if you don't have enough credits to graduate, they still let you participate in graduation activities because of self-esteem. If you don't let him march with his class, even though he doesn't have the required credits, you have to let him march anyway because that's uh, bad for his self-esteem. And not to mention, they've gotten rid of algebra classes. They've gotten rid of uh, AP classes. I call it what George Bush said it best. It's the bigotry of low expectations. Hmm. Well, you can't, you can't deny that, Lars. I, I, I appreciate your calls, your call. And I believe Lars just said it. Uh, better than than I could have said it. Um, I I don't know, folks, but you know, in Baltimore, for you know, you you telling me about Black Lives Matter, but why won't you deal with this? Twenty three Baltimore school schools have zero students proficient in math. Twenty three, not one student, not one, not one. And and you want to tell me that a priority is you want to focus on the police? You, you want to focus on everything except what you really should be focusing on. Every other issue. Let's have a protest. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do that. Sit down and study. What what's so what's so hard about that? This, this is a, a night where there are so many things I wish I could say, but it's not appropriate for me to say uh, on the radio. Let me switch gears. We'll still take your calls on on these topics, and in a moment, I'm going to Steve in Jersey City. But Senator Bob Menendez, so I got a few things I want you to listen to. And my advice, and I think I know Senator Menendez better than most, okay? During his first trial, 
we got to spend a lot of time together, one-on-one time, especially covering his trial in, in the corridor of the courtroom. Days when he would stand there with his Bible almost shaking because he thought he was done. Menendez thought he was going down. I'm telling you what I know for a fact. I was there when the man's eyes teared up and, and he's trying to, you know, wipe them away quickly. But Senator, I am telling you that um, this time you need to take a deal as soon as possible. And he's got the nerve to announce his reelection bid today. It's expected as top Democrats are stopping just short of saying that, that he has to go. He's going to announce his reelection bid less than a week after being indicted on explosive charges and the charges, they're almost similar to what he went through the last time, but they're worse this time. And it reminds me the charges that he's facing. It reminds me of another corruption trial that I covered which was of Nassau County Executive Ed Mangano, who's in prison as we speak. And he was convicted in 2019 of a string of charges related to accepting bribes, the same things we're hearing about Senator Menendez in his position as county executive. His wife, Linda Mangano, was also found guilty of lying to the FBI about a no-show job that she had. The cases are very similar. The cases against the Manganos ended in a mistrial. I was in the courtroom as the uh, jury came back, but then they were convicted in a second trial. And so now the second trial is coming around, but different charges to Senator Menendez. And with with Ed Mangano and Linda Mangano, it was all about Harinda Singh, who owned a string of restaurants, And he apparently bribed the Manganos to keep his restaurants afloat by securing a $20 million in loan guarantees from the town of Oyster Oyster Bay. And so it's it's just very, very, very interesting to see what's what's happening here. And um, the allegation that that he used his position as chairman, this is uh, Menendez, of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee to benefit the Egyptian government and two local businesses. The same thing as before, gifts, right? The last time it was with Dr. Malama, the eye doctor, gifts, uh, the, fine, the final life. And Senator Menendez and Senator, this time I'm not covering your trial. So good luck with that. When when his when his first trial ended in a mistrial, as we played uh, at during the ten o'clock hour for you, when he came outside, he spoke, and it, it was an international press corps there at the courthouse in Newark covering him, and this is what he said about me uh, as his first trial ended. To those in the press who did their job and did it with professionalism, and even to some of you who are actually kind. Where's Dominic? I don't see him. Dominic? I believe you showed others what a professional press is all about. 
and why that freedom is so important to our society. And so what I'm trying to say, folks, I didn't give him any preferential treatment on television or anything like that, but I did cover him. I tried to be fair as I try to be with everyone, as I try to be with every phone call that comes in. I tried to be fair. So the first juror that was dismissed because she had a prearranged vacation, her name was Evelyn Arroyo. And I did not know that Miss Arroyo and others were watching on the jury were watching at nighttime my coverage on television. So on daytime, they're hearing the federal case. And I don't know if they were not supposed to watch TV, but at nighttime, on some nights, they're watching uh, what I'm reporting. And as soon as she was dismissed, Miss Arroyo, she sought me out and wanted to do an interview with me. Here's a bit of what she had to say. You feel not guilty? Not guilty on all the counts. Why? Because they, the government didn't show me enough facts. You told us yesterday you believe a hung jury. Do you still feel that way? Yes, I still feel that way. Why? Because there were definitely at least four that were sticking to not guilty. There were four definitely saying not guilty. I don't think they're going to change their mind. They felt the same. They felt just like me. They were standing their grounds. Standing their grounds. Ultimately, it was a mistrial. Several jurors did not. So, and folks, I have said many times here on WABC, sometimes guilt or innocence is irrelevant. If a jury likes a defendant, there goes the case. If they don't like a defendant, you're going to jail. And this jury happened to like Senator Menendez for whatever reason. But. Senator Menendez, you're going down this time because Miss Arroyo also told me you're about to hear that they had voted to convict him on one of the counts. He would have been convicted at the last trial until she changed her mind. Count 18. You all voted to convict Senator Menendez, but then... A day later, you changed your mind. They started swaying me and making me believe that no matter what, he was still supposed to put it down. So then I changed my mind, and I did. So all of you voted for a conviction on count number 18? Yes. Then when I got home, and I started thinking about it, and then I started praying on it, I I felt God talking to me, saying, Evelyn, if you had doubt, remember the word, unreasonable doubt. If you had doubt, you weren't supposed to say he was guilty. So I went back into the room, and then I explained to them. So you changed your mind? I changed my mind. And then when I gave them my reason why, when I told them the reason why I felt that way, and I gave them different reasons and how I felt it. Then the others felt the same way and said, oh, that's a really good reason. And then some people changed their mind. You have said to the remaining jurors, do the right thing. What does that mean? What that means is to make sure that when we were talking about doubt and you're not sure 
and you doubt, then I don't think you should say, lock him up. Say he guilty. Because if you're not sure, you should always say no. So that's how I felt about that. And that woman, the voice you just heard, Evelyn Arroyo, if she didn't change her vote, Menendez would have was going down at the first trial. If that voice you just heard, she's the one that saved Menendez's life. Where he could live the fight another day. And one of the reasons why he should take a deal is because, Senator, how could you turn around and allegedly do the same things that you almost went down before? And, Senator, this was announced by the Southern District. They're coming. The feds, I'm telling you, folks, you don't play with the feds. When the feds come, you're done. You're done. And Senator Menendez, you're going down this time. There is no doubt about it. The Justice Department is not going to let you embarrass them for a second time. I've got to take a break. When I come back, I'm going to Steve in Jersey City on the Menendez case. Also, the Bronx, Manhattan, Comac, South Carolina, and Staten Island. I heard you were looking for me. Hello. You know. I know. Hey, hello. You know. And we are back. So let me tell you folks a little something before I go to Steve in Jersey City uh, about my email and social media. And by the way, you can follow me on Twitter at Dominic TV at Dominic TV. You can also post a comment. We have a lot of calls. So if you can't reach us on the phone, you can send me a comment. I may read it on the air. I want to thank, uh, I won't say which actual email address, but I want to thank, I received two types of emails. So, well, actually three. Uh, One is on comments or issues relating to the show. The other type is about food items that I talk about. So mayonnaise and so on. People send me an email when there's a a sale for certain items. And the third type of emails I receive happens to be on, guess what, Matt Blaze? Guess what topic it is? The The third type of emails that I receive from my listeners. I know because I, I, I know the story. Alligators. Yes. <laughs> and I know I saw the story already. <laughs> you saw the story already. Yep. There's a big bird's eye view oh. of some alligator. For, oh. like, where, where where was it, the alligator? Some place in Florida. Yeah, oh. that, that had body parts. Oh. And it, apparently they blurted out because the body parts were still in the alligator's mouth. Oh. So you can't actually oh. see the picture. And I didn't do a deep dive because I'm sure the picture. I did. Oh, you, you, <laughs> so you found with that body part hanging no, out of It's a that? woman. It's a woman. And what do you see and, coming and, out of the alligator's one, mouth? No, no, I couldn't. I couldn't. Oh. I couldn't deal that much. But but the, the, the body parts are of a woman. And this alligator was 14, 14 feet long. Eey. It was a woman who had received a ticket for trespassing in that area before. 
Well, the and, alligator was like, I'm going to And apparently she didn't learn her lesson. And so Scott 47 Lee, right, sent me an email. And I don't, it was a story from uh, one of these uh, shows where uh, of like a five-foot alligator is a, uh, what do you call it, a companion pet? Uh, is that oh, what you call like it? A, yeah. Like a, a guide yeah. dog right. for, for no, a well, man. Well, a sympathy animal. There we go. Call. Yeah. And the man takes the alligator to schools, and the alligator likes to be kissed. And he never, he doesn't, have, he has sharp teeth, but he never opens his mouth. He doesn't bite anybody. And I'm looking at, I'm like, is this real? I mean, <laughs> uh, how does that, animals like that, like alligators and snakes, they don't know. They're not like dogs or right. cats right. or. They just know food. Like if you smell like food, <laughs> you're done. The alligator, the snake's gonna bite you. They don't know that you're the owner. They, Period. they people think they do. They do not. They do not. They have natural instinct. And if you smell like food, they are gonna bite you. So just do me a favor before I go to Steve in Jersey City. Just do me a favor. You or Kenneth Conley, don't ever as a joke bring an alligator, a baby alligator around here because if you do, you may have to call a morgue because I'm going to grab my chest and that's going to be it. It's the big one, Elizabeth. It's, <laughs> it's the, the big, big one. one. It's the big I'm one, I'm coming Elizabeth. to join you, honey. Okay, let's go back to our topics at hand. Senator Menendez and the uh, school system in Baltimore. Oh, Steve in Jersey City. Good morning, Steve. You're on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Hey, Dom, and I want to congratulate you for being one of the few reporters I, I saw in covering the first Menendez trial in 2017. I was working in the area at the time. I passed by the courthouse pretty much every morning and afternoon for the two or three weeks that trial was going on. I literally saw maybe two. I could count on two hands, both hands and feet, the number of reporters I saw. So I commend you. So you have not you have you, you have information here. So let, this is why Senator Menendez thinks he can because he got away with it the first time. Now, let me say, Dom, I'm no fan of his. I've always voted against him. I also think there's a political motive to charge him. Having said that, the heart of the charges against him in the 2017 trial, as I understood him, stemmed from he took repeated plane rides from a guy that he got favorable legislation for. Now, Do- I know that's Dr. Not Melgen. Dr. Melgen, but uh, yes. I know that's not the equivalent of taking cash and gold, but that's worth something. That's selling your office. That's taking a bribe. Number one, the second accusation coming on the heels of the Me Too movement, which I thought was real serious, he, so let, it was a lot. I have to say these were all allegations that he skated on, was that he was being provided, he was being able to help himself to young, underage Dominican prostitutes. How did he, you, t- you were in the courtroom, I wasn't. How did the jury hang on these things? I don't understand. Why did it get so little coverage? Why do you think, number one, and how did the jury hang on all this? as best you could understand. Go ahead. Well, I, I don't know, Steve, if the young ladies were underage at the time, but but let's go back to your first point. So according to prosecutors, uh, Dr. Melgen essentially put Menendez on the payroll and made, yeah. and made uh, uh, Menendez his personal senator. But the <laughs> defense, the defense argued that the gifts were not bribes, including women sexually, but tokens of friendship between two men who have known each other for more than 20 years and were quote unquote like brothers. And so the, the women, uh, you know, I, I don't, the women, two or three of them came to court testifying. And I don't recall the prosecutors asking them 
directly where they employed as prosecutes, but they may have. And and they they were all very very good looking young women, but they were dressed when they came to court, as you might imagine, Steve, very very professionally. So I understand. So you didn't get the idea that they were women of the night, you know, because they 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 looked very good, but they they had on uh, business suits or you know whatever whatever the defense or uh, whoever uh, provided for them. He Menendez barely, and I'm telling you, I know, because I I was with him at his lowest of low, when nobody else was around. He thought he was done, done, and and when Evelyn Arroyo uh, decided that she was not going to vote to convict, and other there was three or four others, the jurors went on personality, and th- this is what I try and explain to people, Steve that if a jury likes a person, right? So like uh, yeah. uh, 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 another person, right, happened to yeah. be um, uh, John Gotti, if the, even mm-hmm. though it's alleged that he got to some jurors. But, but right. you know, if a jury likes you, if a jury likes you, it could make the difference in, in, in terms of whether or not you're convicted. This time, I don't think it's going to work. I don't think it's going to work. I think he's going down, you know, but, okay. but we'll see. We'll see, Steve. Yeah. But I, I, just your thought on this. Can I get your thought on this? Go ahead, quickly. Both cases seem to come on the heels of he sits on the Foreign Relations Committee. He was very much against the Obama foreign policy. That's when those charges hit the first time. And he's very much against the Biden foreign policy, particularly as it relates to Cuba and Iran. How much do you think that? Well, because this has been going on for a while with him. So, how much do mm-hmm. you think the political fact, the political aspect of this, vis-a-vis Obama and then Biden factors into them? Well, he the, tri- he tried that. Church. He tried that. His lawyers yeah. said that he was indicted solely because he went against the Democratic administration. That's he tried yeah. the argument that didn't work too well. Keep in mind okay. that the Supreme Court had ruled the case, uh, it was a Virginia case. The elected official had been convicted, but then the Supreme Court overturned the conviction. His name escapes me at the moment. And once that conviction was overturned, that opened the door for cases around the country. And thus, you know, and and then then the judge in that case, Steve, thank you for the call. The judge in that case uh, basically gutted the Fed's um, indictment of Menendez, and then the Feds came back and said they were not going to uh, to uh, retry him. Let's go to Kurtz. Oh, wait a minute. Before we go to Kurtz in Staten Island, I've got to take a break for the Chronicles of Dominic Carter. When we come back, we'll have that. We'll go to Kurtz in Staten Island, more of your calls. Frank Morano, The Other Side of Midnight, coming up. Keep it right here, folks. We'll be right back. WABC. These are the Chronicles of Dominic Carter on 77 WABC. And I want to thank you folks for taking part in Sunday's Tunnel to Towers event here at WABC for the second year in a row, thanks to Marilyn and all of you folks that donated the second year in a row, the Dominic Carter team came in first place, raising the most money. Our team came in at 5,000. You listen to this show, you support this show, 5,000. 
$180. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart. The money goes to a worthy cause. And um, to those of you that were out there, uh, the weather didn't stop it. Sunday and it was a uh, it was a great 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 event. It's an annual one where the money goes to a wonderful cause, Tunnel of Towers. And thank you, folks. Again, we came in first place. The Dominic Carter team, five thousand one hundred and eighty dollars. Curtis, Curtis, Staten Island. Good morning. What's on your mind? Good morning, Mr. Carter. Uh, let, let me start with this. Listen, I, 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 I started smoking pot when I was 15, right? I stopped when I was 28. So I'm, I'm 64 now. But my, what I want to say is that I smoked through my junior, uh, junior high and high school years, all right? And, and, you know, when I was in the classroom, math was difficult for me. But I'm, my basic math skills are good. But I understood then, you know, while I was in the classroom and I'm high, I understood what I was learning, and, you know, what I was being taught. But when I got home, say, at the end of the day, and I went to do my homework, I was confused. I didn't know what I was looking at. I could not remember. And um, what I'm getting to is, you see, um, later, later in my life, I was, I was actually studying and researching to be a substance abuse counselor. All right, that didn't pan out for other reasons, but there is a condition that I learned while during my studies and research. It's called state-dependent learning, meaning that you, you learn something while you're high, all right? But then when the drug wears off, you can't remember it until you get high again. And it amazes me how many people think that there are no mental or, or physical effects to smoking pot. It is dangerous. There are a lot of chemicals in pot. I I agree with you, Curtis, and I, as a matter of fact, I couldn't agree more. Uh, that's one of the reasons why why I don't support it, and I think that we made a wrong decision in legalizing marijuana, one that we're going to pay dearly from. Of course, we did. Right. Well, it was so. It was so wrong. Right. Well, Curtis, bad, thank thank bad you. idea, man. Thank you, thank you. Agreed. Bad, bad idea. Thank you for your call. Let's go to our friend Mike in South Carolina. Good morning, Mike. What's on your mind? Good morning, Dominic. Um, I'll tell you, uh, you know, I was laughing before uh, when you mentioned, you know, I sold my place in Florida last April. Uh, I've been there many times, 55 community. And if I don't get a good night's sleep, I'll take a little nap. Today I took a nap. And I woke up, it was, uh, you know, I said to myself, feet don't stop me now. It was an alligator. Damn. Wait, wait, wait. You woke up and you were outside sleeping? No, I was inside taking a nap today. I had a, uh, you know, nap and I and I saw an alligator in my dream. Oh, in your so dream. Said, okay. <laughs> and, it, and it scared you, Mike. Feet don't stop me now. Yeah, it scared me. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you, I'll make it quick. Um, hey, wait, 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 wait. You know, what, was it a big alligator? It was big enough where I woke up, yeah. yeah was was, was it like a up. mean alligator? You know, they can be quite mean. Oh, yeah, I know. I know. And uh, I've seen a lot of things when I worked for the MTA, you know, Dom. And, um, you know, Metro North, uh, whatever, uh, after effects when, when people got hit by the train. But um, uh, it is, it is uh, if I'm awake, I'll be listening to your show, Dominic. And I'll tell you this. Um, uh, you're filling in tomorrow for Sydney, you and John Cassimatidis, and I'm glad I spoke to John Cassimatidis once, and you were hosting the show, Nam, on, on Thanksgiving, 
And I spoke about my dad, who spent 52 years supermarket manager, district manager, and mom had just passed away. She was 90. So um, I'll tell you, Dom, keep doing what you're doing because uh, a round of applause, and I'll say it again, I've said it. You know, uh, some people who are working behind the microphone should take a page from your book, all right? Should take a page from your book, the way you treat callers with respect, dignity, yada, yada. Well, thank you. That's that's very kind and very nice of you to say. And how you and I always end our calls, go Red Dragons, (laughs) Cortland Red Dragons. Thank you. There we go. There we go. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for the call. Let's go to Michael in the Bronx. Good morning, Michael. You're on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Good morning, Dom. Good morning. The solution, I think, to the mass problem is they took the multiplication tables out of the grammar schools and they made them use, they were allowing them to use calculators. So if you take the calculators away from grammar school kids and the phones and teach them the multiplication tables, that would be the basic of of the math education right there. That would be their foundation because if they could figure out all the numbers in their head and they're at the age where that will work for them. And in regard to parents, they should buy their kids a chess set because a chess set will develop their minds. I mean, these are solutions to the problem. There's no blame going around. And when it comes to the Hollywood strike, I think the worst thing of all is them coming back because Hollywood also influences young people. And if you look at everything on Hollywood from Disney to Nickelodeon, they make smart kids like they're outcasts. You know, they 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 uh, they call them nerds. They call them everything in the book. They're outcasts, social outcasts. Nobody, oh, a nerd won't get the uh, the good-looking girl or anything. Just like Urkel on uh, on that show, and that's what that's what happened. Fifty years of this of Hollywood demonizing smart kids, and they don't want. And, and there's something to do with it. Hollywood has a, a great effect on our kids, and and the worst thing of all is them coming back. Because by them have being on strike, we didn't have any of the, the anti-Trump stuff. We didn't have to listen to woke stuff because it's, this is where it's coming from. It's coming from Hollywood. And then also when it comes to – it's not a racial thing, but there are some parents, single mothers, who don't want their kids to be smarter than them. They don't want them to be, uh, you know, above them. They're jealous of their children, and they'll do anything not to have their children succeed where they didn't. I, I, a, I don't see a social thing. I, I don't see how a parent could could feel that way. And but you're right, Michael. As far as the damage that Hollywood has done, I I forgot all completely about that part. Hollywood has played a large role in all of this. Well, in regard to the, the single parent, I've seen women who try and trap men, okay? And when, they, and when the guy leaves, they take it out on the child that's left behind. Instead of punishing the man, they punish the child. And I've seen, this is a street thing, okay? I've seen this all over. And then they try and punish. Instead, they can't get to the guy who, who, who did that to them. So they, they make sure the child is miserable like they They'll say, oh, it's your fault this and all your fault that. It's not everyone, but there are some cases of that. Mm, and that's, that's sad. Michael, thank you for the call. I, I've heard that before, to be honest with you. Let's go from the Bronx to Brooklyn. Let's say good morning to Norman. Good morning, Norman. What's on your mind? 
Good morning, Dominic. I, I beg to differ with uh, Blaze uh, about uh, reptiles not showing emotions. Uh, I have a friend who has an iguana, and it smiles. It definitely smiles. I mean, it's happy when you when you you know when it whatever when you when it's when it's on her arm. You can definitely see a different facial expression. Now, concerning the 14-foot alligator uh, eating that woman, uh, I think the alligator is. Uh, I think the alligator didn't kill her. I think uh, she was. Uh, she may have died, and uh, the alligator is an is an opportune feeder, and he uh, just took that moment to. Uh, have a bite. Oh, oh, well, you are correct. Police have not ruled out how she died yet, whether or not right. she was and dead prior to the alligator, a 14 foot alligator putting her in his mouth or her mouth. Yeah, I don't know. I looked at that alligator and I believe me, I'm kind of an alligator freak. And th- that was not a 14 foot alligator. That was like more like a 10 or 11 foot alligator because like the world's record is up near like. 15, almost 16 feet on an alligator. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I, I somehow doubt that that's a 14 foot alligator. And um, I, I just don't, I just don't think, uh, I don't think he was uh, hunting humans. Uh, you don't really hear about that. I mean, uh, usually it's a, it's a stupid, it's a little dog that goes running up to the alligator. And then <laughs> unfortunately the alligator has the last laugh. But the uh, it, it humans uh, we don't we don't get attacked generally by alligators. They're oh. not uh, they're uh, there's enough food for them, but they don't have to do that. Mm. So. No. Okay, well, Norman, thank you, thank you very much. I I really appreciate your call, folks. Coming up at the top of the hour, Frank Morano and the other side of midnight. Frank joins me now. We'll go back to your calls in just a second. Good morning to you, Frank Morano. Hello. Dominic. How was your weekend? Uh, great. Wet. Rainy. Like I think a lot of people in our area. I drove in, saw animals pairing up two at a time. <laughs> Did you do anything good? I was uh, in the Bronx yesterday for the uh, National Psoriasis Foundation walk. On uh, Saturday, I met some friends of mine in New Jersey for Japanese food and uh, mostly just uh, chased my son around and caught up on some chores around the house. Okay, and how's Carmine? He's doing great. He's doing great. Mr. New York Times. <laughs> exactly. It's better get a pre- better press than I do by far. Well, to those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, Frank's son uh, has already, at such a young age, appeared in a photo in the New York Times. That's right. He was uh, running the bases at a minor league uh, ba- baseball game, and there happened to be a New York Times photographer there, and she took, uh, unbeknownst to us, took his photo and put it in. No photo credit, but at least he made his picture. He made it. Exactly. What do you have coming up in just minutes? All right. I am going to be uh, joined by a former WABC radio talk show host and uh, renowned criminal defense attorney Jeffrey Lichtman. Uh, we're going to talk about this Bob Menendez situation, which you've been all over the last hour, and uh, the indictment of Hunter Biden, as well as a few other issues. He's also representing El Chapo's son, so I'm looking forward to asking him about that. In a half hour, I'm going to talk to Dr. Jay Bhattacharya from uh, Stanford, an incredible mind when it comes to medicine, economics, but also he was one of the lead people in this social media lawsuit where the courts essentially told the Biden administration, you can't tell the social media companies what to do. 
And now it looks like that case is going to be appealed. Well, so we'll talk about the implications of what it means for free speech in America. And I have some other fun stories that people, I think, will enjoy. Okay, let's go to some phone calls together. You select. All right. How about uh, how about uh, James in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania? All right, James, you're talking to Frank and Dominic. Go right ahead. James, are you with us? No. Okay. Uh, okay. How, how, how about Eric then in Manhattan? Okay, Eric, are you with us? Hey guys, hey guys, um, Dominic. Who has so much to say about, about Biden? I mean, I thought I only heard about the misspelled name, and I heard about the other stuff he said. Boy, on hold. And now I thought that was a racist itself, just the spelling of the name. I mean, we all know Joe Biden's racist, and you know Donald Trump wouldn't have gotten the name wrong, and not because he was in a million rap songs. You know, I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. And I think that call brought up the, the war in Ukraine. Ukraine is uh, an issue, sure. This guy got us into there, into the war. You know, so it's just really, really, I mean, it's not, I don't know if the call was racist, but uh, we, all, we all know Biden's history. We don't have to go there. It's so ugly. I mean, I just thought, why didn't you say kid? I'll leave it at that. Right. Okay. Well, Eric, thank you. So, Frank, your your take on this. Uh, LL Cool J, Congressional Black Caucus, and President Biden introduces him, and he screws up his name. He calls him LL J. Cool. J. Cool, right? Yeah. And then and then he says, man, this boy's bicep, this man's biceps are bigger than my, than I, my thighs. I, I'm going to get into this uh, a little bit later. I have a, a slightly different take than, than you and most of the callers. I, I don't necessarily think that this was an example of Biden being racist. Uh, I, obviously, I think he, he wishes he could take back these uh, these words because of how he put it. But there's a lot of things to criticize Biden about. I don't think this is even in the top ten. But I'll get into it right. more a little okay, later. Okay, fair enough. I, I didn't focus so much on the race, but, you know, th- th- this is a major Hollywood actor and, you know, the president anyway. Folks, you want to keep it right there. Frank Marano, the other side of Midnight's coming up. I'll be back at 7 a.m. with Mr. Katsimatidis in for Sid. 7 a.m. to 10 a.m.